Johnny Cacophony tells you that you're listening to The Power of Three, that particular Doctor Who podcast without portfolio that comes to you all the way from Scotland. And we have a special guest this week who we'll get to in a second, but my name's David Steele. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back. I'm joined today, as always, most of the time, by that Kenny Smith. Say hello, Kenny. Hello, Kenny. Hello, listeners. And hello, special guest, but you're not allowed to say who you are yet. Listeners, thank you very yes. much for joining us once again as we continue our countdown to Christmas with some of the amazing Doctor Who books that you can buy. Yes, our special guest has recently already joined us on an episode of the podcast, very spontaneously in a last-minute style Um So it gives me great pleasure to sit on bath taps and to welcome back the one and only Will Brooks. Hey, thank you. I can't have embarrassed myself too bad the other week. You definitely didn't. And uh, thank you for clarifying your meep colour as well. Always good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Now, William, you've had a Kickstarter going on, haven't you? I have, yeah. I did a Kickstarter. It ran for a couple of weeks in September and it went a little bit better than I'd anticipated it doing, which was very humbling and very lovely. And I'm still dreading the poor woman in the post office when I have to start taking books into her because she already dislikes me. I can tell, I walk in, I see the look in her eyes. Um, But yeah, it it was lovely. I collected together for five years. I did the covers for Titan Comics on Doctor Who, uh, Torchwood, Sherlock, basically anything BBC that Titan did, I did a cover on it for a period of about five years. I did about 170 covers and they're all sat on old hard drives and the old hard drives are starting to fail. So earlier this year I thought, right, I'm going to put them all together, print them out so I've got a copy. So when those hard drives fail, at least I can look back and go, oh, I did these, you know. And a friend of mine said, oh, well, if you're doing it, I'll have a copy, because I'd quite like that. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, a couple of other people might want a copy. So yeah, I put it on Kickstarter and it's all of my Doctor Who covers, all the Torchwood, all the Sherlock, a couple of other sort of oddities, all together in one book, presented without the logos and the text and the barcodes, just the artwork and a little bit of, you know, extra behind-the-scenes stuff as well. Awesome. Now, I, I have to say, when the, the comics were being published, um, and it's a, it's, it's a while now since Titan would do it, we're doing them it's quite as regular as it used to be. There was a period when there was a regular 10th Doctor, a regular 11th Doctor, a 12th Doctor book, there was a 4th Doctor miniseries, there was a 3rd Doctor series, there was a 7th yep. Doctor series that Andrew Carp put. There was, mm. there was loads, and the thing that I always used to find when I went into you know my local Forbidden Planet on a Thursday night to pick up the new stuff, was that if there was a, a new Doctor Who title out that week, nine times out of ten, by the time I got in on a Thursday evening, all of the Will Brooks covers had gone. 
Now, it was my understanding. <laughs> That's what I like. Yeah, it was my. And I remember telling you this a lot of this at the time when it was happening. Um, I, I remember on a couple of occasions messaging you when I'd actually been able to get one of your covers. You know, yeah. one of the one of the kids who worked in the shop had told me that they had mail orders, standing orders to deal with in the regular store, standing orders, and what was left for me shelves. And your titles were always the ones that were sort of requested for mail order or for in-store standing orders, so they were always popular. Why do you think it was that your your photo montage stylings were more popular with the some of the artwork covers? And when I say artwork, I mean traditionally illustrated, you know, with pen and ink or painted. Why do you think your covers were more popular? I have no idea. There's no accounting for taste, is there? Um, no, I think sometimes I think it helps that not all of the artists on the covers were fans. A lot of them were, but um, a lot of the time as well with Titan, they would have a lot of American stuff and they would have people who were brilliant artists and they would do gorgeous, incredible covers, but they weren't necessarily fans of Doctor Who. And so their covers are beautiful, but it's sometimes perhaps lacking that little something. Whereas I think because I am, for my sins, a card-carrying Doctor Who fan, I think there's sort of, I think you can look at my covers and you can tell they're done by someone who loves Doctor Who. Usually yeah. because they're stuffed with like ridiculous Easter eggs and things. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like to think that there's that connection of you can see this yeah. is someone who loves what they're yeah. doing. I think I think that's true because I'm not you know, I'm not going to name names. I'm not meaning to disparage anyone else. There was, there was a few other people that, that worked for them that also did the photo mon- montage covers, and you know they were never quite as good. I remember. Can I be so indiscreet as to mention one particular series? Shall I, boys? Go for it. Yeah, do it. You're Go with ahead. Friends, Dave. I remember. The, I remember in the Eighth Doctor series, um, there were a couple of photo montage ones that literally looked like they'd, you know, right clicked on a picture of a. A house on a cliff, and right-clicked on a picture of a, you know, one, a, you know, on a on a low-grade JPEG of McGann in the the night of the Doctor costume, and then stuck one on top of the other, and used the magic eraser tool to take out the background, and then put us raised the green over it slightly to to blur it, and then you know stuck text on. Whereas yours always had that proper sort of um. I'm thinking of, well, there's one one cover we'll talk about in particular in a little while. But I'm thinking of the fact that you know you would quite often combine design elements, maybe an element from one image of the Doctor with an image of another, just to create a new, unique sort of photograph, rather than just, as I say, cutting out one publicity photograph and sticking on. Now, I'm, I remember us talking before, um, a long time ago, about the the absolute lack of decent images you had for the twelfth and thirteen do- thirteen Doctors. Now, you quite often had to. Yeah. Resolve- Quite extreme circumstance, sort of technique, shall we say, to to generate issue sort of images for them. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, it was so when they get a new doctor in, it's always a bit of a nightmare getting photos because nothing has been approved yet, and naturally they're very very secretive in the run up to a new doctor coming out. So the best example was when Jodie Whittaker was taking over, and we were doing we were going to do a run of Jodie comics but we were launching with a one-off that would come out about a month before her first episode was on telly. And so we went to the BBC and we said, look, can we please have a couple of photos of Jodie that I can use on the cover? And the BBC came back and I think they offered us two or three different photos and we picked the one we wanted. And then I made the cover, all went through to approvals. And this would have been 
May of 2018. So at this point, you're still five or six months away from her starting on telly. So everything is you've signed NDAs, you've contracted up to the hilt. And so I did all the cover and it went off to approval. And the BBC came back and they said, well, the only problem is this is going on to shop shelves before her first episode. And we don't want pictures of her in her costume out before her first episode is broadcast. And so I ended up doing a different cover which was her in Peter Capaldi's costume. And it's all tattered and ripped and it's sort of the regeneration. And that went off to approval. And then it came back, well, actually, we're not 100% sure that we can put Jodie on a cover because she hasn't started until. So then I did a third cover that was Peter Capaldi regenerating. And then in the end, and this is often the way with the BBC, it's quite rightly, someone somewhere has said, look, that is the date of her first episode from that date you can do whatever and so whoever was approving at the bbc was rightly going well i can't sanction this because but then someone higher up the chain i mean it could have been chris chibnall but someone higher up the chain then sort of stepped in and went well let's not be ridiculous let's put this out there and so the cover we ended up using was that original one i'd done but it was often a battle and then i think it was for that first year of Jodie, I think I had 12 photographs of her and we were doing 12 issues. So it was like, I don't have a lot of choice here. I've got more now, obviously, because we've had three or four years of Jodie. But I I think I've got more pictures of David Tennant as the 14th Doctor than I ever had of Jodie as the 13th. And she was there for four years, five years. <laughs> yeah, it was always a bit like blood from a stone trying to get all the images. Yeah. Can we talk about the fact that you actually employed a cosplayer at one point? Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's actually in the book. It's um, the cosplayer we used is Athena right. Stamos or Stamos. Um, she's a brilliant, brilliant cosplayer. She's based in California, um, and Doctor Who fans will probably know her from when the Engines of War book came out, the War Doctor book. She did a cosplay as Cinder, who was the companion in that book. And it's a brilliant cosplay, wig, makeup, full outfit. Uh, She's got a friend who's a prop maker who made her the Dalek gun that this character uses in the book. And she sort of became the official face of this companion. So I think in the mobile games, when they illustrated the companion, they based it on Athena's photos, really well known. She's part of a comedy group called the Idiot's Lantern, and they perform at Gallifrey One every year. Very popular, very funny, lovely, lovely person. I'd gotten to know her because I'd done some Photoshop and she provided some images. And then when we were doing the Jodie comics, they did a cosplay variant. And so she made a costume and she had all her hair and makeup and everything all styled and done. And I think it's for issue one of the 13th Doctor. There's a brilliant cosplay variant and it's her floating in space and things like that. So when we came to do the free comic book day issue, I wanted to do something special, but I didn't have any extra pictures of Jodie because I only had those 12 and I didn't have a spare one. So I I think we managed to get, I think the BBC gave us one extra image of Jodie, but it was just hands in pockets. And I wanted something a little bit more special. So I emailed Athena and I said, have you got anything that I can use? And she came back with this brilliant photo of her holding up a TARDIS key. And the photo is in the book, actually the original photo of Athena. And so I took sort of the side of her, so it's her arm from one side of her coat, 
and then the rest of the body is all Jody, and then everything's all colour matched because they have to make the coat before we'd even have proper pictures of the costume. So I think Maybe. the coat colour wasn't quite right for that; it had to be altered and changed. And, but I, I think that's probably my favourite Jody cover because it, I think it stands out as a different image because we've used Athena to do right. a different pose. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh that you had to kind of go to those extremes. I think I'm, I think I'm right in saying that one of your um, more than one of your twelfth Doctor images was were composites. Is that right as well? Yeah, loads of the twelfth Doctor ones were. There's one I did where he's in the TARDIS and I think he's sort of leaning over the console, holding his Sonic. And I tweeted the day that issue came out. I tweeted like a breakdown of oh, his head's from here, his body's from there. This is this hand, this is that. And someone high up at Titan, I can't remember who it was, had replied to it and said, oh, I, I didn't realise you put so much work into these. I thought you just <laughs> took the pictures and put them on. And I should have said, no, 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 I spend days making these films. It's not just, bam, there you go, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, we should also mention as well, because um, Kenny will obviously be annoyed at me if I don't mention this. One of your covers which where you know whereas when you did a bit of shall we say montaging com composite compositing ended up as an action figure didn't it it did yeah which still blows my mind <laughs> it was i think it was about the second or third cover i ever did and right. to start with andrew james who was the editor he was lovely but to start with he would send me a brief and he would say right it's so for this comic, he said, look, it's the 10th Doctor. He's trapped in Paleolithic times. Could you do him holding a bone? And I think he wanted him dressed as a caveman originally or something, but in a <laughs> forest holding a bone, it's this, it's that. He would give me a proper detailed breakdown. And bless him, Andrew realized that I'm really good at ignoring a brief. <laughs> and so we got to a point about six months in where he would literally email and say, look, I need a 10th Doctor, two Matt Smiths and a Peter Capaldi. <laughs> and I'd go, cool. And I would give him some artwork, you know. Um, but so for this one, he had requested sort of a raggedy Matt Smith holding a bone in a forest, etc. So I put it all together, and it's it's Matt Smith's body where he's in the distressed 10th Doctor costume from yeah. the 11th hour. But then it's David Tennant's head, I think from the Doctor's daughter or maybe the Santaran story, sort of mid-series four. I think the hand holding a bone is from a stock image, and then I've sort of photoshopped it together <laughs> and bits and pieces. It was an early cover. I think it was about my second or third cover ah, I did. I, I and the like... first I heard of it coming out as an action figure was, well, actually, I think Kenny had sort of text and said, Ooh, I hear you might be seeing. And I thought, nah. And then all of a sudden they announced exclusive B&M action figure. Yeah. <laughs> it was incredible. I hadn't realised that was that was such an early cover, and of course, listeners, as you'd expect, Kenny is biting his lip here from making a joke about the phrase "hand holding a bone," but I'm going to restrain him, and we're going to keep it clean. Uh, so, William, another thing, another thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, this is great. I've, I've had all these questions bubble away in my head for years. It's great when I have a chance, chance to properly talk about it. At, at points, you would you would do covers which were. Um, homages to, to other well-known image or images or shall we say styles do you want to tell everyone about say the the um the frank bellamy sort of style pet re ones or the the, the star wars yeah. one that did doctor do you want to tell us a little bit about those see i loved the, the problem i had going and making these covers i loved doing it 
but there was a point, sort of about the end of 2016, start of 2017, we were doing about eight or nine comics a month because yeah. you'd have, you had the ongoing ranges. So we had the ninth, 10th, 11th and 12th Doctors. So that was four titles and at least one of them would have a second issue in the month because they were four weekly instead of monthly. Yeah. And then you had Torchwood and a classic Doctor miniseries and a Sherlock. And so it got to a point where it was right, I've got four weeks to make nine brand new covers. I've yeah. got no photos, I've got no idea, I don't know what I'm doing. So quite often I would be inspired by, I mean, Frank Bellamy is the single greatest artist to ever make Doctor Who artwork. I love his illustrations, um, his Terror of the Zygons, uh, his arc in space for the Radio Times with that flash of Tom Baker's eyes. I love it. Even the little ones he did for sort of frontier in space and things, and the monster of Peladon, those tiny little thumbnails he does. I I love his artwork with a passion. So when we came to do the third Doctor run, I didn't even think about it. It was just Andrew said we're doing the third Doctor, and I thought, well, I'm doing a Frank Bellamy style something. Then I think. I was really pleased with it at the time. Looking back at it, putting it in the book, I think I could have gone further. And I think if I were doing it now, I would make it, I would try to make it even more in the style of Frank Bellamy. Yeah. Um, I think he still looks a little bit too photo covering. But then the, your skills change and evolve. And that's yeah. probably the best I could have done in 20, whenever that was, you know. Yeah. That's that's one I've actually got a print of. I'll, I'll quickly. For the benefit of our YouTube viewers, I'll quickly angle my camera so everyone can see it in the wall behind me. Doesn't that look nice? Wow, um, it does. Ke Kenny's, Kesey, Kenny's raising a finger. He wants to make a point or ask a question. I'd like to ask Will a question, please. I oh, love when Titan did the special event comics and brought together multiple doctors. But I would mm. imagine that in some ways that's heaven and hell for you thinking, yep, we're going to... I mean, that one that uh, Dave's holding up there, the YouTube viewers can see with Jodie with the 3D glasses on and David Tennant over her shoulder going, what? And um, <laughs> and then, of course, all the ones where you've got four doctors to put together. I would imagine, as I said, it's heaven and hell for you working in those, sourcing the right kind of image to make them all work together. Yeah, it can be. Sometimes it's fun because sometimes you do just get the poses and they just go together perfectly. So you get, when we did the Lost Dimension, I did for the Alpha cover, it's all white with the four Doctors all waving their sonic screwdrivers because that's what Doctors do, you know. And that one was a joy because it was a case of, I know exactly which photos are going on here. But then sometimes the biggest issue you have, it's merging the different qualities of images. So all the Chris Eccleston images, for example, were shot on film with yeah. an analog camera and up until about christmas of 2005 when they were halfway through series two they were still shooting on an analog camera so the eccleston shots in particular have a lot of film grain whereas the matt smith shots and the capaldi and the jody whittaker shots those ones are far clearer because they're crisp digital photography and i mean the new ones i've just had literally today a load of shots of shooting at one through for the next series and they are so high resolution that I can basically zoom into his eyeball and it fills <laughs> the screen. I don't know what resolution they are. They took me most of the afternoon to download. Um, but it's, so that's sometimes the trickiest aspect, trying to make it look like it's all one image 
when they're all such disparate qualities. Given the range of the title was um, the, the the various sort of titles of Titan published was so wide. Was there any doctors you liked doing more than others? I loved, loved, loved doing the David Tennant ones. I think he is, yeah, him and Patrick Troughton, they're my favourite doctors. And David Tennant is the era when I really became a fan. Like I'd watched a bit of Doctor Who and thought it was all right. And then it came back with Chris Eccleston and I sort of went, all right, this isn't all right, it's the best thing in the world. And then David Tennant took over and it was like, I'm never ever escaping this. Like it has sucked me into its black hole. I'm trapped in an orbit. I'm never ever getting out. I love Doctor Who. So that it, there was always a special thrill in doing the Tennant stuff. Um, yeah. And it helped, that was the one that I was reading as well. Before I'd started doing the covers, I was right. following the David Tennant story because Nick had created uh, Gabby and Cindy as the companions and had planned out this whole story and it was incredible. And so, yeah, I loved those. The Matt Smith ones were always fun because he pulled the best poses in his photo shoots. He was not afraid to go for it. I've got folders of pictures of Matt Smith jumping and throwing himself about with the sonic screwdriver. Um, so they were always a lot of fun. The classic ones, I love the classic Doctors, but the quality of the image, but it was always a little bit of a nightmare. Um, and I think now I'm at a point where I've got the skills to do more with those images, but yeah. at the time less so. I think you can see by the time we get to Sylvester McCoy was the last classic one we did. Yes. And I did a happiness control cover and I think it's probably the single best cover I ever did for Titan. Um, yeah. Because I'd worked out what I was doing by that point. Yeah, I think I, I remember um, I remember Clayton giving you a row on Twitter one day because of the amount of filtering you'd had to put on one image of Sylvester because, because yeah. the images were so, so low res. Now, you, you mentioned briefly there, and I believe this is something that's in the book because we, we talked about it already before. You mentioned with the 10th Doctor series, I'll hold up another cover for the benefit of our YouTube viewers. Now this is one that when I picked up in the shop um, with you know with Get the Doctor for the benefit of anyone who's just listening, it's an image of the tenth Doctor and Gabby and Cindy standing in front of the TARDIS, and it looks like some kind of volcanic planet, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. And to be honest, you would mm. genuinely think that DT had stood in the studio with these two young ladies and stood in, you know front in front of the TARDIS, and Will's just added the rest. And afterwards, now I believe the details are on this in the book, but you told me very recently, and I was stunned. Apparently, Titan didn't employ a couple of actresses for these photographs or for these covers. No, they're all stock models. <laughs> they are. Do you know, when I started, so Andrew James, who was the editor, he did the photo covers for the first year on all of their titles. And he had been putting them together. And they, companions had appeared on a couple of covers. So you had Cindy had been on some of the 10th Doctor covers. Alice had been on some of the 11th Doctor covers. And so when I started, I said to him, oh, can I have all the photos for the companions? Because I assumed that they had got someone in. I mean, I assumed that they'd got like Sarah in marketing or something to stand yeah. against a white wall and take some pictures. Yeah. But yeah, and Andrew sort of came back and he said, oh, no, 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 I found them on, on like a stock image website. And it was like, oh. And then when I looked, I think both Cindy and Alice had appeared twice. And in both occasions, it had been different actresses. But I hadn't clocked. So I decided, I thought, right, I'm going to standardise this. If I'm in charge of these photo covers, I'm casting 
these companions. So I yeah. picked the Alice I used and the Cindy were both actresses that had appeared on earlier covers. But I right. picked the one that I thought looked most like the companion. And then right. that was the one I used going forward. And then when Cindy joined, she was introduced in the first year of the 10th Doctor comics, but didn't sort of join as companion till year two. So by then I was doing it. And so I went out and I found a model and right. I pitched the model to Titan. I said, this is the person I want to use for Cindy. Is that okay? And they came back and they said, yeah, that's fine. I think they just sent it on to Nick who wrote the 10th Doctor comics and said, right. what do you think? Is this okay? And Nick came back. He was always really supportive and said, yeah. And so, yeah, they, she appears two or three times on there as well. Interesting. There's, there's one actual sort of tragedy of the, the, the Titan series sort of finishing. I, I, for my sins, I only dipped in occasionally. I didn't, I didn't read them very regularly. Um, but I remember mm. there was one story arc where one of the 10th Doctor companions was sort of lost, but then she was rescued by the 12th Doctor. And they yeah. never, as far as I know, they never really picked up on that, which is a shame. It was, a, it was, we quite do, some, that gets that, um, talked about in the book. Yeah, that all right, was, good. Um, there, it, there was a point around that time when everything sort of fell apart, maybe a bit drastic, but everything wrapped up and there yeah. was a plan to get ready and gear up for year four. And because the Titan line was always plagued with delays, it was always, if they said a comic was out first week of July, it would actually hit the shops middle of August. There was always, right. always, always delays. And it was something that got talked about quite a lot by the fandom. And it was sort of a well-known thing of, well, they can't hit the release date. And Titan were always mortified because it wasn't for want of trying. Because everyone at Titan worked their asses off to try and make this work. You know? So we'd wrapped up all the titles and it had ended on that great cliffhanger of the 10th Doctor's companion is thrown into the vortex, lost. The TARDIS materializes to rescue her and it's Peter Capaldi. And yeah. that's kind of your big cliffhanger yeah. of year three. Yeah. And so Titan said to me, right, we're going to get ahead of ourselves for year four. So they commissioned, we were going to drop the 12th Doctor comic because he was no longer the current Doctor and it was the weakest selling of the lot. So that was going to end, but the 10th and 11th Doctors were going to carry on. And so they commissioned four 10th Doctor covers and four 11th Doctor covers and I made them and I delivered them and they were approved and I was paid for them. And then those ranges were canceled. And so those covers never got used. They're all in the book. And I talk a little bit about the whys and wherefores. But then because they got canceled, Titan decided they'd do a four part mini series, which would be a 10th and 12th Doctor crossover, resolving all that cliffhanger. Um, and Nick had written it and it was brilliant. And I've spoken to Nick for the book. And so he gives a little bit of detail. He doesn't give the whole story because we're still hopeful that one day that yeah. story will be told. But he does yeah. give a little bit of detail about his sort of what we had planned, his sort of where it was going. Yeah, that's quite nice. No, is that the one I'm right in thinking that you sent me the cover you'd done a long time ago, which was the, the homage to the famous cover of issue 123 of The Flash, which has <laughs> yeah. one Flash and a first thing. One flash and another, and they're both rushing to rescue the same person. But you did, you did a sort of cover with the, the tenth and twelfth doctors. Is that is that the one I'm thinking? We're thinking of, yeah. That's the one, yeah. Complete yeah. with the little text balloons of Doctor, help me! I'm going. Yeah. I'm going. Yeah. yeah. And there's also, I think it's in the book, but I think it might only be a thumbnail because I think I only had a, a lot of the sort of rough versions in the book. I literally, I went back through all my emails with Andrew for five years. And I pulled out any images I could find. 
and we yeah. did want to do when Bill joined the comics with the Twelfth Doctor. I mocked up a cover that was the I couldn't tell you which issue of Batman it was thirty nine something like that. The the introduction the, of Robin. Yes, the Twelfth um, Comics. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think yeah. that's in the book. The Twelfth Doctor holding the big drum and Bill bursting through it introducing the find of 2017 um, but yeah we did I don't think that one got approved so we didn't do it but yeah I, I loved doing that kind of thing because yeah. it's a chance to be silly I love comics yeah, and, but it's, so why not you know yeah I mean exactly because you've got to you can't just appeal to Doctor Who fans you've got to be able to comic readers as well I mean listeners um, I often mention that the other mm. two podcasts Kenny has appeared on, I think, how many episodes have you bought? Six, it might be six, five or six episodes this year? Five, I think. Giving voice giving five, voice to characters Doctor Midnight and The Flash and, and one of the Mr. Who's. A long time ago. I always ago, thought it was the Earth One Kenny who had appeared on there. Oh, that's a point. There's a multiverse of <laughs> listeners. Imagine. Um, no, when we did Flash 123 a couple of years ago now, William was nice enough to let me post his homage featuring the of Doctors on our Facebook page. So if that doesn't encourage you to go scurrying back to the onto the Earth 2 podcast Facebook page, I don't know what will. So William, we, we mentioned earlier on there um some of the, the classic Doctors that you did series for. I mean, was there any character or monsters that you, you wanted from the series history, I mean, that you wanted to use but never got the chance to? We came really close to doing the Daleks. Um, oh. And there is in the book a rough cover. Yeah, we were going to do, for one of the big crossover events, I got an email from Andrew. I think I'd emailed and said, oh, do you need any more this month? Because I think there might have been or something. And he replied and he said, oh, no, I don't. But I think we've got the Daleks hammered out rights-wise to do for the big crossover event. Do you want right. to start coming up with some ideas? So it was going to be, I used to do a lot of covers where it was like the four covers and you put them next to each other and it makes one long image. So I'd roughed out, and I mean rough, I mean literally like slap an image here, slap an image there. But I'd roughly sort of worked out, right, this is going to be the rough layout, Dalek here, Doctor there. And then in the end, it just didn't happen. And so the plans changed. And I was gutted because I desperately wanted to do, it would have been sort of an eight issue series. So I could have done proper covers that were just Daleks. Um, and I wanted to do a pastiche of like the Dalek book, but with modern Daleks and things like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's in the end, it just didn't quite click into place. That's a shame because that, that would have sold definitely. I mean, it was a weird one. Absolutely. I picked up quick, what, got quite a pile I'll hold the it's not even the whole pile so I dug out all my Titan got a quick we'll get a reasonable pile some more over there I would you I paid was, my I, rent for a long long time yeah, <laughs> I was I was quite a bad fan listeners because um as I say if, if I got in in time and one of Williams covers was on the shelf I would buy it or whatever um but also the the Titan books are quite good because you got a couple of I'll hold them up for the benefit of our YouTube viewers is this joke wearing thin yet I don't know no like, they did some never, nice Beatles never will homage and there's a there's a cracking sort of um you know Casper David Frederick homage for a 12 Doctor uh, cover. There was a, a really good 12 Doctor, I think it was Ziggy Stardust album cover. It was, it was really obvious to me as a casual reader that um, a real lot of imagination and care was going in at the time comics. And, and it's a shame that, um, you know, they're not publishing quite as many as they, as they, as they were. Can you, can you tell us what was the thinking about when they, when they came to do the 13th Doctor and 10th Doctor sort of team-up series? Was that an attempt to just to revive things or was it, you know, do you, how much do you know I, about... I think 
it, it's less how much do I know more mm, how much can I say um, it, yeah. I think it's a case of by that point things had started to drop off a bit we'd yeah. had that peak where it was sort of eight nine covers a month and issues a month and keeping up with it was impossible and so I think they decided to strip back and streamline and then it's just sort of gauging the interest and seeing what they can do what they can get away with in the market because if people are buying them they'll keep making them but I think yeah. the audience had dropped off a little bit and then Covid hit which had an impact the the Tense Doctor and Jody, those four issues were the last ones I did and mm. it was put to me originally as um, we're just doing a run of four and this is them and they commissioned those four covers all at once and it got to the end of those four and I said by this point Andrew had left and there was a new editor in charge right. they got to the end of those four and I sort of said oh do you want me to start thinking about the next four or do you just want four because the way Andrew had done it on year one of Jody is he would say look just give me the next four but do whatever you like with them we'll just bank the next four so they're ready to go and I said to the new editor do you just want me to do that for year two just every couple of months I'll send you four new covers at that point they said look we're we're going to bring it in house. We're going to we don't want to have to keep paying for the photo cover, yeah. basically. Because <laughs> in fairness, Titan paid really really well, and they paid me on the photo covers the same that they pay a traditional artist doing it right. by hand, or even if they're doing it digitally, but you know drawing it. Um, they were very generous, and Andrew was always really good at. He saw the benefit of the photo covers. And he was really kind in coming back to me and saying, we've sold out of that cover because retailers have yeah. loved it. Can you do us yeah. more in that style or things like yeah. that? But I think the new team were perhaps not as keen. And Titan, they've got a massive design department in-house because they do all their magazines and things. Um, and so having someone in-house do the photo covers costs them nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, with those Jody ones, it just sort of, petered out a little bit I think yeah. and they were looking to just cut back something that I wondered Will was that and something we spoke about at the times when your 8th Doctor covers came out the you know the clean up job you'd done in the McGann who was all covered in cuts you know, to clean them up for the cover <laughs> and also you did that wonderful version of one of those uh, TV movie pictures inside the oh, yeah. oyster room holding up the watch and uh, which I'm, <laughs> I'm now holding up doing an impression for the YouTube viewers there I thought those were wonderful <laughs> that must have been so tough to do you know sort of working with so few photos again and then trying to sort of like take the old and the new and put them together well, that one actually was me trying to make life easy for myself and I talk about it a bit in the book there's there's about 40 covers maybe 45 covers in the book that I've written a little piece about and sometimes it's only a couple of hundred words and sometimes it's a couple of pages worth but that eighth doctor one is one of the ones I talk about because it was when Andrew was still sending me these proper briefs and he'd said to me I can't remember what the story was but he said oh could we have like a thicket of brambles and you can see Paul McGann's eyes looking out at these brambles and he's holding the sonic <laughs> screwdriver aloft and he's doing the and I sat there and I thought someone who's really good at Photoshop could probably do this but I'm self-taught and I've blundered my way into this job I haven't got a clue um, and so instead I literally I took the hand from one of the TV movie photos and I photoshopped it on and I altered the sleeve because his sleeve on the 
Night of the Doctor costume is a bit different to his 1996 costume. And so I did all of that. And I sent it back to Andrew and I said, we could do your idea or what about this? And as time went on, I got quite cheeky with, I'd done a lot of work with the Doctor Who experience. I'd made a load of postcards and merchandise and stuff for them. So for things like sleeps, after a while, if I needed a different angle, I would literally text the boss at the Doctor Who experience and say, can I pop in when you shut? And literally he would slip on a coat and pose an arm. <laughs> and I would quickly snap a picture. I think there's some of those pictures in the book as well. And yeah, I, I didn't do that from a gang because at that point I thought, oh no, I can't do that. That's too cheeky. And as time went on, I thought, sorry, I'm Will Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is true. I mean, this is true because, you know, I think you're very well regarded as as being one of the best of these, um, you know, of this new generation of, shall we say, photo oh, manipulator sort of artists and stuff. I, you know, I'm I'm not just going to try to blow smoke out your backside. It was real. I, listeners, I, I I used to for years. I used to and started in MySpace and went to Facebook for years. Whenever there was a new episode of Doctor Who, and I'd do a Radio Times cover, it would often just be a photograph of me or my. You know, William mentioned being self-taught. You know, I'd be using my my mum's ancient Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop Elements 3.0 to try and composite somebody. I did this between David Tennant's last series, and I think I got as far as the entirety of Jodie's second series. Maybe I did one for the New Year episode after that, I can't remember. Um, but the, one, the absolute highlight was when um, I was able to post on Facebook that this week's cover has been done by <laughs> big Ancient Titan Comics cover artist Will Brooks. And like a couple of my pals were like, how the did you manage that? And I said, I just know Will from the socials, it's cool. You know, it, was, it felt like the ultimate way to finish it. And I'm very grateful still that you did. In fact, Kenny, we should maybe think about getting Will to do a composite image of, of you and me for one of the upcoming issues of Power of Three magazine. That, that may be a fun a thing to do. Maybe it could be um, <laughs> it could be our bi-generation picture, Will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which one of you going in your pants? <laughs> well, that's not going to be me. <laughs> so, so, William, tell us about the book. I know it was, it was launched through Kickstarter and stuff. Are any of our listeners who didn't back it or, or whatever, are they, mm. is it are you, did you get enough printed to sell a few more? Did you get some spare done? In theory, so the way it's working, if you currently go to the Kickstarter page, and I think literally if you go to kickstarter.com and type in cover B, or I think if you type in my name, it'll probably come up. There is a link on that page to back a kit. And um, back a kit is once you've done your Kickstarter, back a kit sends out all the emails to everyone and it checks your addresses are right and that you've paid your shipping and if you want to change what you've ordered and things like that. And it also lets you buy a copy of the book. So if you miss the Kickstarter and you want some more or you want a copy, you can still get hold of it. I think the print run is probably now going to be early next year. The original plan was it was going to print in October and everyone would have it sort of by Christmas. The printer I was using, they did me a proof copy so I could check over it and when it arrived it was all green oh. and there was what? something wrong some of the pages were slightly wrong and the printing was a bit off and I queried it and they said oh well that's that's the file you sent us and I pulled up the file and I thought no it isn't so I've changed which printer I'm using so that sort right. of knocked everything on a bit the digital copy in theory everyone has now had the digital copy yes um, yeah, those, those emails came the other day because um, well, hey, that's Kenny, good. 
Kenny's been scrolling through his while we've been while we've been chatting, haven't you? I have indeed. I've also just done a quick Google under Kickstarter and Will Brooks, and lo and behold, it brings up Cover B. So easy to find, oh. listeners and viewers. As, as you can yeah, see, I'm so sharing my screen there, now can... to show you what the screen looks like with YouTube viewers. You can, if you buy the digital copy, I think you get the download straight away. I think backer kit send that straight out to you. I don't think I need to click anything. So if you right. want it straight away to read, you can literally buy the digital copy on there. It will send you a download to a PDF, all sorted physical copies i'll probably keep the orders open maybe until about christmas and then we'll right. close orders off and the print will be in the new year i will say i don't think it's getting a reprint it's a little bit of a gray area because it's all bbc photographs and i don't own the bbc photographs but it's my artwork that was made under license until so we asked the powers that be and the general consensus was yes you can do it but you know don't take it too far so yeah. I think we're doing the print run, and I'll probably have a couple of spares in case of emergency. But after Christmas, I think if you haven't got one, you probably won't be able to get one. Yeah. So there you okay. go, listeners. Not to pile the pressure on. <laughs> we, would, we would encourage you. I mean, as I say, like I'm just looking through the 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 pile the pile of you know of Will Brook. I mean, that's the thing you always remember. Yeah, cover B Will Brooks, and then some of them would say subscription cover and so. Did you ever do any? That's the thing. Did mm. you ever do any? Convention exclusives or particular exclusives for particular comic chains because I know that Forbidden Planet. Yeah, I did a couple. I did one. In fact, I talk about it in the book as a bit of a mystery because for the Tom Baker mini series, for issue one, I think I'd already done most of the covers for that series. And then Andrew got in touch. He said, We've got a comic shop in America that really want an exclusive cover for Tom Baker and they want it to be. Tom Baker in his deer stalker look from Talons of Wen Chiang with Sarah Jane either in the TARDIS or in Victorian London because the story was set in Victorian London and he said but the thing is in order to hit deadlines we need a cover like he emailed me on a Wednesday we need it by the end of the week so I made a cover and it wasn't my best cover I'll be honest but I made a cover and it went off and the BBC approved it and the comic shop approved it and that was all fine I was paid for it it went to Titan. I've got the email where I've sent it to Titan and they have received it. But I don't think it ever ended up. I can't find any evidence of it online. Um, there's a really good website that was invaluable while I was putting the book together called, I think it's Tony's Trading. And he's got pictures of every cover that Titan ever did for every wow. issue. And that was wow. a godsend because all my covers were across different hard drives. I was looking right. at his website. I was going, right, oh, I need to find that one. Where's that one? And <laughs> digging out all my hard drives. He hasn't got a copy. I can't find any retailer that has a copy. I checked with Andrew. Andrew kindly wrote the forward to the book for me. And I checked with him and he said, no, I remember doing it, but I can't remember yeah. who it was for or if they did, you know. <laughs> so I did that one. And for the first issue of Jodie Whittaker, the gimmick on issue one was going to be, it's the first female doctor. And so we're going to have an all-female creative team on the first issue of the comic. So Jodie Hauser was the writer. I think she wrote all of the comics for Whitaker. Rachel Stott did the art, and Rachel oh, was brilliant. Her artwork is, she still does um, Star Trek for IDW, and it's gorgeous stuff. I love Rachel's stuff. Yes, so it was big. those two, and then they were going to do, because Jodie is the 13th Doctor, they were doing 13 covers by 13 women. 
which was a lovely, lovely idea. And they'd done it, and they were all arranged and previewed and available to order. And then last minute, they were offered a bonus cover where it was an incentive for comic shops. So if a comic shop orders five of all 13 covers, you also get five of this extra cover. But they didn't have time to get another cover done. So Andrew came to me and he said, look, we're going to have to break our plan. Could you do us a cover quickly? Yeah. So I quickly did that. And I think on the cover it's listed as local comic shop cover or something like that. But that was sort of an incentive one as well, sort of a ratio cover. Yeah. Interesting. Are you, are you still involved then in, in doing covers for any of the other licensees? I am, but I'm bound by NDA not to... Uh, no, I am. I've got, um, <laughs> I think I've got a couple of big finishes still to come out. I'm always, always doing stuff with Cubicle 7 on the role-playing game. Dave Chapman, who... He's the editor of Cubicle 7's role-playing stuff, and he developed the role-playing game. The official is all licensed. The official role-playing game. He wrote the system worked out all the rules. He wrote the first edition in 2009. And in 2009, I was a Saturday boy at a shop in Norwich that sold Doctor Who merchandise. And Dave was the assistant manager at this shop. And so he's been doing that for years. And now he works for Cubicle 7. And he's doing, we've done the second edition of the role-playing game. And very, very kindly, I mean, I've known him now 15, 16 years, but very kindly, he still gets me to come in and do all the artwork. So I do all the covers, all the interior art. I find all the pictures for them, things like that. So that keeps me busy. We do a lot of uh, a lot of work with that. I think I've got a couple of big finishes. The other thing I'm doing, I think I'm launching it Boxing Day, but it'll start in the new year. I'm going to do a Patreon for next year, and it's oh. going to be five quid a month. Every Saturday, I'm posting a new bit of classic Doctor Who artwork. Brilliant. And then during the week, I'm watching three... TV shows that have been on my to-watch list for years, and I'm blogging an episode a week, so I'm doing Blake Seven, Robin of Sherwood, and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So I'm going to do those through the week, and then Doctor Who Art on a Saturday. That's going to be, yeah, just something a bit fun. It's an excuse to make Doctor Who Art work, basically. Yeah, that'd be good. Will, you mentioned your patron there. I've had another idea for something you should put on there. I think you and Nick should do a second volume of your book, Memoirs of an Edwardian Adventurer, and put that on there because that would get me signed up straight away because it's such a great book. Do you know, I do I'd do it, it in a heartbeat. I would absolutely. You know, I talk to Nick genuinely every day, several times a day. I've literally just before coming on to talk to you guys, I've just wrapped his Christmas present because I've got to take it to the post office tomorrow. Don't tell us what it is. He might be um, listening. Oh, hang on. Are you, are you, William, are you taking something to the post office to send someone? <laughs> Do you know, I've just moved house again this week and they're now in the loft again. <laughs> I promised Dave about five years ago when I sold the farm and I was, I, I still had the farm in Norfolk and I sold that to move to Wales permanently because I thought I need to buy a house and I'm not going to afford that unless I offload. So farm went and I had all this stuff in the cow shed and I said to Dave, I've got a big box here of comic books and some of them are old comics, some of them are recent ones. There's about 80 comic books in here. Some of them are from like the 60s. I said, I don't want them in the new house. Do you want them? I said, they're free. I will post them to you. Just, it'll get them out. 
And Dave said, oh, yes, please. And I said, no worries. So I brought them from Norfolk and I brought them to the new house in Wales. And then we moved and I took them to the new house. And then last week I moved from that house to here and they're back up in the loft again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to... Um... We'll have to do an episode when, when they, if they if and when they finally arrive. We'll do another episode. We'll, we'll do an unboxing. Like, in fairness, names we'll talk on YouTube significantly lighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, do a live unboxing on the Power of Three Instagram feed. <laughs> and, yeah. um, Peter and I can cross promote it via the Off Two podcast. But no, I would I would in a heartbeat. I loved doing memoirs with Nick. Um, because he's I'm reading about. I read some the other week actually because I've got a copy on my Kindle. And so it tends to be, if I'm somewhere where my internet isn't connecting, I just flick through whatever's on my Kindle. And so I was reading through some of that, and Nick's thoughts were always so thoughtful and considered, and he really knew what he was talking about. And you can tell that he's five years older than me, because I read my ones, and I go, what the hell am I on about? Um, and I love it. And we did start, I was talking to someone about this the other week, we did start a second volume. We finished all the Paul McGann audios, and then we started doing a Colin Baker one because we'd done all of the Colin and Charlie Pollard stories as part of our marathon and loved him. So we started doing a second volume where it was going to be, we went through all of Colin's audios in order for about the first 10 years worth. This would have been about 2012, so sort of 15 years worth. And we did however many, but we because we were doing them in order, we started with all the lost stories and bless them the lost stories aren't the best examples through no one's fault but um we sat through those and we sort of went i'm not enjoying this and you get the odd gem then we started getting to the main range and we were doing whispers of terror which is brilliant and the marion conspiracy which is one of the best doctor who stories ever written by then we'd already things were getting busy and we weren't enjoying it as much as we'd enjoyed the paul mcgann so yeah, that sort of come to a halt. But one day, Nick is always really, really busy. But one day, I'm going to pin him down. I'm going to say, right, we're going to we'll do like finish big do. We will do all of <laughs> big finish, every single bit of it from start to end. Brilliant. And of course, I'd be wanting to know yeah. about the book. Can find it over on Pieces of Eight because we did an episode all about it. Dave, have you read it? I haven't. Oh, actually. we did, didn't we? I forgot. <laughs> That, was that a while ago? That must have been a while ago. Yeah, I'll give you a loan of mine, Dave. Right, aye. Yeah, I remember I remember listening to it. God, God yeah. Well, I have to oh, do that. Yeah, me and Nick both came on, didn't we? That's right, on a oh. Sunday afternoon, I recall. Yeah. Between oh, Nick and me, I, I love him and I speak to him every day, but we only ever... He lives in Edinburgh and I live just outside Cardiff, so we're kind of... We see each other maybe once a year, at absolute most. And then last year, we went and saw ABBA Voyage together in the summer. And so that was lovely. And about a month later, we went to a friend's wedding and said friend got married in Wookiee Hole. And so he had someone dressed as a revenge era Cyberman in the caves at Wookiee Hole. And me and Nick stood there with our glasses of champagne, watching this Cyberman stomp around the caves and kind of going, how have we ended up here? <laughs> I remember it your, was marvellous. I remember your photos. Right, we should probably wind this up a little bit. Hopefully, um, we've tantalised our listeners enough and convinced people to seek it out and investigate the book. I always loved your covers, mate. Honestly, I really did. They were a class, you know, a class of their own. They always showed imagination. Thank you. They always showed sort of proper care. 
and the Titan comics were always you you never you never felt that it wasn't like some of the you know some other franchise tie-in stuff that I could mention you know from the olden days. There was always a sense with the Titan books that everyone involved really was trying to do a good job, and and your covers were a brilliant example of mm -hmm. that. So thank you for coming on and talking to us about them. I'll probably think of a lot more thank questions you. that we'll ask you some other time. <laughs> you want to tell everyone again just to reiterate the details of how they can get hold of the book? Yeah. So if you go to Kickstarter.com and search for Cover B. Uh, it should come up and at the top, I think on the right hand side of the screen, there'll be a little green button that says late pledge, I think they call it. And that'll take you through to a shop front where if you want the digital copy, I think you pay and it will give you the download straight away. I think it emails it directly to you. And if you want a physical copy, it'll ask you for your shipping address and things like that. It'll yeah. charge you your shipping and then it'll add your name to my list so that when I press print, uh, all the books come and then I've got to manually put labels on and send them all out all over the world well, I'm going That's to be ordering be shortly I haven't got my physical yes. copy ordered so I'm going to do that in a wee minute oh I no, I, okay. I, 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 I a physical copy in the first place I think yeah thank you very much William we will have you back on at some point I'm sure Kenneth always David shall we ask William if he wants to choose a song to play out with that sounds like a good idea or I was going to or, I did have one in mind. Do you have one in mind? My logic was that, given that you know when Will's working in all these old covers, sometimes I'm sure you'd be frustrated that you'd have an image in mind, but you couldn't actually find it. And you think like, for example, Paul McGann looking through the brambles, and you'd be thinking, my God, I'm wishing I had a photograph of you ah, from genius. a flock of seagulls. That's what I was thinking. Genius. But Will, genius. Yeah. I was thinking... I might have heard. Did Bruce Springsteen have a song called Cover Me at one point? I think, I think it was Bruce Springsteen or someone like that. I thought about that, but seriously, I can't actually remember who it was by. We probably shouldn't have one. That's an excellent pick. William, if you had to pick a song for us to, to risk a copyright strike, what would you pick? Oh, this is a tricky one, see. <laughs> uh, Shall we Taylor Swift with? was my number one artist last year. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Well, that would, that would definitely get shot down immediately. Shall we just go with Kenny's pick then? Let's yeah, I think that works. Right, <laughs> listeners, I have no idea when Kenny's going to put this one out. Hopefully it'll be before Christmas, so have a nice one when it comes. Look after yourselves, check out the other two podcasts as usual. I've been David Steele. I've been Kenny Smith. And I'm usually Will Brooks. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Take care. Goodbye. Bye-bye. It's not the way you look, it's not the way that you smile. Yeah.